Welcome to the Bright Vibe Podcast. At Bright Vibe, we believe everyone deserves to be happy. But in today's world, everywhere you turn, there is division and negativity. At Bright Vibe, we have created a global movement to bring 8 million people together who are inspired to live bright, live bold, and share bright vibes. Alone, it can be hard to change, but together we can change the world. Welcome to the Bright Vibe Podcast. All right, Phil Alves, welcome to the Bright Vibe Podcast. So happy to have you on today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I feel like it's going to be, you know, the next 30-ish minutes is going to be very educational for myself and other people listening because we're going to delve into something we have not talked about on the show before. You're actually the founder of two different companies. One's called Dev Squad, D-E-V Squad, and then Dev Stats, D-E-V Stats. And ultimately, you help companies engineer SaaS software. And exactly. So when we say, and, and so when we say, and I'm not even going to pretend to, I mean, <laughs> to pretend to to understand all of it. So, and this conversation is going to be, I think, highly, a lot of value for anybody who's leading an organization, especially, uh, you know, entrepreneurial, you own a company or you're a manager inside a company or working inside a company where you could streamline, refine, hone processes and systems to make it easier to run, maybe more efficient. So what is SaaS? So SaaS is kind of like how software started to be sold in the last 10 years. It used to be that we get a CD and you would put the CD in your computer and then it would install the software. And then you pay up front. You'd pay like $600, $1,000 or thousands of dollars, depending on the kind of software that you need to use. Mm-hmm. And then you only pay once. So what the evolution of that was, was we moved from the desktop software for cloud software, usually in the web. And then companies start to charge a subscription. So uh, QuickBooks is one of my favorite examples. QuickBooks, okay. they have the enterprise old yep. version. You have yeah, to install I think I still book. have that old version. Honestly, <laughs> I do. We've got an old version. We actually use both the online and the old, but we've got an old version on a server somewhere in the world that we run, exactly. right, remote. Exactly. So, so that's kind of like the previous version of how software was built, right? This got is it. the legacy uh, software. And SaaS, it's QuickBooks Online. You pay a subscription and you get to use the software. So a lot of the old software companies did that transition, but also what happened was companies that had internal tools. So let's say you have a construction company and you build this one internal tool to manage projects. But now you want to sell this tool, not just to use in-house, but you want other companies like yourself to be able to have that software. So yeah. then you, you go and you change your internal product into a SaaS product. Now is a multi-tenant application where, again, you can sell the license per year, per month. And what you're saying right there even is something that I didn't even think about, which is, so So it's software as a service. That's what SaaS stands for, right? But something you just said I, did, I wouldn't be not have thought about, which is actually I could de- develop internal software for my company and then license that to other companies like mine versus just building software for my company to be more efficient or to run better, I could actually license this to others. Exactly. Because like building your own custom software is very expensive. Mm -hmm. And usually if you're building a software for your company, you are an industry expert. You know the industry very well. You know more than just developers would know. And so that's your unfair advantage. And you get to test it in-house. You get to understand. And most of our very successful customers, there are people that went just for that transition. They had a company, they built a software for their company. And we even have clients that end up selling the original business and going <laughs> same, 100% really? on the software only because the, the software was making a lot of money, you know? Interesting. Very interesting. 
So I always like to hear people's kind of backstories, but how did you get started kind of in this business? So you're the founder of these two companies, but how did you actually come about that? I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. I started a business very young at 18. I sold that business, moved to the United States. I had a few jobs here, but mm -hmm. I always was an entrepreneur at heart. I just saw a big opportunity to bring a company to market that would help people build their products. And I saw that there was a, a really, there was a lack of resources and the places where people were outsourcing couldn't really help them with the strategy part of building a product, the design portion. And so that's why I was like, okay, I, I will quit my job and I will start my little consulting firm. And then it starts small. Now we are about a hundred people on Dev Squad, which is my consulting firm. Mm -hmm. And then I saw the playbook that my clients follow, which mm -hmm. is the book that we were discussing. They build a software for themselves and then they sold for other mm -hmm. people or they at least are a person that knows industry very well. And okay, I know everything about loans. I'm going to build a software for loan officers. And so I was like, what kind of software can I build for myself uh, that I know very well? And what I know very well is how to manage developers because I have almost 100 developers full-time working for us. Mm -hmm. So then I, DevStats, it's a developer analytics tool and it's to help companies that have a bunch of developers make sure the developers are productive and they're not stuck and they're not burned out. And mm -hmm. so basically following the same playbook, now I have a, a consulting firm and I have a, my own SaaS offering, which is DevStats. Hmm, interesting. And so, you know, we talked a little bit about in pre-show and I'd, I'd love for you to dive into this because I think everybody listening to this that's involved in business can get some value out of this, whether it's just understanding maybe how to refine some of the processes within the businesses that we work in or whether it's literally, hey, is there another product here that maybe I'm not seeing? Because again, I would have not thought about, like I'm in the healthcare space, I'm in the real estate space. I would not have thought about, hey, I can develop this for my company and then I can turn around and sell it to other companies to help them be more efficient, to help them perform better, right? And yeah. so can you just give us some examples of, and, and maybe even some of the examples where you talked about that they built the software and then exited the original business and stayed in the software business. That's, that's, pretty, <laughs> that's pretty entertaining right there. So Phil, walk us down that road of maybe two or three different companies you've worked with and kind of what was the evolution? Kind of how did you, you know, get started sure. with them and then how did it evolve? And, and, and before I go there, let me tell yeah. also why people like to do that. Many times okay, yeah. our customers are going to have a business that it's worth like three times revenue. If they build a software business, it's going to be worth six to 10 times revenue. So right. when they go to sell that business, it's worth a lot more money. Some examples, we have this one guy and he was running a retail, online retail, and he would sell things online and he would buy things uh, that he would sell on Amazon and on Shopify. Mm -hmm. And his biggest issue was managing inventory. Right. was no how much to buy it and at what point in an Amazon, if you run out of inventory, you lose rankings. So it's a very big deal. So he built a software to manage his inventory because he was doing everything in spreadsheet and he, he didn't find anything that was exactly what he needed. So he built his own software. And then he started selling that software and sometimes the software was making more money than his retail business. So he sold his retail business and kept running just his, his software. But of course, his experience as, as an online retailer help him know what to build for other online retailers. And then he actually ended up exiting the second company too after a few years and he sold that company too. And then it was for uh, never work again kind of money, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> so that, that was one example. Uh, another one was this this person, she she had a driving school. And again, a she- driving, A driving school. So she taught yeah. people how to drive a car. Is exactly. 
Okay. Yes, exactly. So she worked with like uh, basically students, high school students that uh -huh. are like 16 and and she has a bunch of cars. And then so she had, she had to manage her cars, the maintenance, the schedule of everybody and like all the regulations. And again, she thought the products that were available for her industry weren't good enough and were built by people that never run a driving school before. So mm -hmm. they didn't understood actually what they need. So she went on and, and built her uh, her own internal software. Then she started selling that for other driving schools. And because she knew the industry, she knew which conferences to go to. She knew where her clients were. Mm -hmm. and, and so that grew. And eventually she actually ended up selling the driving school. And now she just has the software. And there's uh, other examples. There's people that never sell for it. There's another client. He had a construction company. And then he built a software to manage projects and bid on projects, kind of like a CRM for construction mm -hmm. companies. And then he starts selling that product for other companies. And now he has two, he still owns both companies, but he mm -hmm. has two entities that that brings revenue in different ways. Hmm. Fascinating. Fascinating, fascinating. So can you give us an example of, walk us into a company that you either did work with or have worked with, walk us into what was the problem they were having kind of what, how you designed, helped them design software and then how they implemented that. So we can get a more broad breadth of this is how this thing works. Well, they're usually solving a problem using a bunch of tools, kind of like duct tape something together. Let's okay. give the example of the customer that we talked about that had an online store. He had a uh, Excel file where he would try to manage and make calculations on how, how much stock he need. And then he had another product here. So he, he was using a bunch of products to try to solve that one problem. And he thought, oh, this can be done by a software if the software did this, this, and this, and this. So he knew what the software is supposed to do. And because he was solving that problem in a certain way, he, he knew what to do. So he hired us, we designed his idea. After we designed, he went and he tested out with a couple potential users to make sure that other people like the idea. Mm -hmm. and, and then from there, uh, he hires to develop the product. And other times people are just using a product that they hate. Like maybe we had a lot of people that were using Salesforce and they hate Salesforce. Mm. And they want to build a CRM for a specific niche market. Like there's a financial advisor that wants a CRM just for financial advisors. And then he hires us and he's like, this is what I, how Salesforce work. This is what I like. This is what I hate. I want to make something lighter weight that's just for financial advisors. And then we would help them basically same process, get their idea to a design, test with users, and then go and build after that. If they're looking to work with a company to develop their own uh, software, how long from the time of, hey, I've got this idea to kind of then, where does it go from there? Yeah, so so first we will work with them on a six weeks workshop, which we call Sprint Zero, and you go design their product. And we're going to spend six weeks really understanding the problem they want to solve. Many times we invite them to fly to Utah and we go to a whiteboard and mm -hmm. discuss, discuss the problem. But at the end of the six weeks, we're going to have a design of how the product is going to look like and a prototype that we can use to test with potential users and make sure that that adds real value. After that, we go and build version one of the product. It's going to take anywhere from four to six months to build oh, okay. the, the version one. And then I like to say that's never going to be done because right. people are going to ask new features and you're going to have to keep developing, keep improving. So I like to say software is either making money or not making money, but it's not done. 
So we, we need to get to making money because it's not going to be that. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's an ever evolving because there's, yeah. right. Because the markets change, right? The market's mm -hmm. ever evolving. Software's ever evolving. Yeah. People more, are having ideas. On. Can we do this? Can we do that? What if we did this? So we got a lot of feature requests once we have a software product. Interesting. And then, so it's six weeks to kind of get to concept uh, mm -hmm. of the thought and then about four to six months to actually design the software and then is that usually app based is it i mean is it an app is it just a program that you log on to in the cloud i mean typically what is that it, it depends most of the time just a web application that you're going to log in like kind of quickbooks online mm -hmm. uh, and then later on people might bring a, a mobile app to support that uh, mm -hmm. web application and there's very few customers they start with an app first like mm -hmm. we build a software to help like sales people that go door to door selling solar and other stuff so for that kind of public it made sense that the version one would be a mobile app right but i, but I would say 70 to 80 percent of what we do it starts with a web application and then later you add uh, a mobile app to it got it that makes sense and then is there any other thing that you you'd be like you know i want business owners as you know you're a business owner you're an entrepreneur is there anything else that you think it would be important or critical for business owners to understand about SaaS that maybe there's confusion in the market? It's a very hot market for people that want to get into SaaS. The one thing I like people to understand, it's it's going to be a long road, like super profitable because you can scale a lot and, and you don't have to keep adding people, mm -hmm. but you're going to lose money for two to three years. And mm. so that, that's why most people that build SaaS, successful SaaS, they're bootstrapping those SaaS which are most people, like less than 1% of startups actually raise money. And most people that are successful, they are doing their second, their third, their fourth business. Software is usually not their first business because it's expensive and it's going to take a long time. Now, once you get over the ramp and then you're profitable, you're thinking like 60, 70% profiting margin, but it, it's going to take you a couple of years to get there. Got it, got it, got it. And so typically from a time and a cost standpoint, we kind of covered the time, but from a cost standpoint, what do you see in the market? Kind of what should be kind of some highs and lows and some generalizations of what does it take to get to any one of those products? And you can give any one of those as an example of financially, what did it take financially to get that thing, those products to work first in the business itself and then eventually scale? Yeah, you can expect to invest anywhere from $150,000 to $300,000 per year. Got it. Uh, and then, like I said, it's never going to be done. It's per year. So the way they like to tell people to think, okay, if you're going to spend 300000 per year, how are you going to get to the break-even point? How many customers do you need to get to cover 300000 Because the expense is never going to go away. And that's mm -hmm. a mistake that people make. They think, oh, I'm going to build it. It's going to be done. And it's you're going to always need developers. It might be the original company, original developers, or someone else. We go, always need developers. So that's basically becomes a line in your P&L. But then mm -hmm. you have to think, okay, how am I going to make this thing make at least 150 per year so it can pay for itself? And of course, there's other costs. There's marketing, the server, you know, so at least $200,000 per year, I would say. And is that for basically any business or really just a business that's trying to sell to other businesses? A business that's trying to sell to other businesses. Now, when people are building internal tool, it's going to cost about the same, but internal tools, you can stop developing. You can't be like, hey, this is what we wanted to do, and I stop it. And then you don't have customers that are always complaining or going to your competition. So you don't have, you can, it might be a six months or a 12 months project for an internal tool. Yeah. But most of those internal tools, they end up developing to a software that you sell for other people. Got it. 
And then typically, so in any of those examples, the construction, the the driving school one, what then did they turn around and basically sell that to the market for? Like what were in the the companies that were the construct other construction companies, the other driving schools, what were they paying for that service? I guess it, it changes, but it's anywhere from a thousand to ten thousand per year per user per company. It changes. So I, I like to say the more niche it is, the more you can afford to charge. You're not gonna get a lot of customers, you know. So like if I build something just for financial advisors, how many financial advisors are there? And I can't charge more than Salesforce does because Salesforce it wasn't built specifically for them. And doesn't Salesforce have people that code for specific industries? But is that yeah, not exactly. efficient? Yeah, but like that costs a lot of money, and then that's exactly so. People they go in the they have a customized Salesforce that kind of does what they need for that one industry, but then you have to pay a developer anyways and you don't own the product. Mm. So many times people are like, hey, I might as well just build my own. I own the whole thing. I don't have to like build in rent land. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Know? Yeah, yeah, totally. It's some on somebody else's platform. You don't own it, mm -hmm. right? You're, yeah. you're just renting space and there's nothing to sell then, right? Yeah, exactly. And then you have the platform risk and then it, it's just an internal tool and never is going to become a SaaS. Now, we do have customers that did a transition. They build the internal tool with like Salesforce. Mm -hmm. And now they're like, hey, we want to sell this for other people. So we need to rebuild this here on our own platform and mm -hmm. we can go and resell this. Mm. And so what are some industries right now that you're seeing that kind of trending and really uh, there's a lot of growth potential and industries that you're like, you know, there really could be some help in these industries that aren't really applying any SaaS to it. Are you seeing specific like trends and also opportunities? Yeah, it's interesting because every time that someone come to us, we're like, oh my gosh, that's such a gap in the market. But right. it's hard for us to identify. It's kind of like relies on our customer because they are the industry expert. Right. So they're like coming from all the different industries and they are saying, hey, in my industry, I have an issue where the products there are very outdated. It's usually smaller industry where big companies, big players don't want to play. Uh, mm -hmm. Another example, think like a software to manage a shooting range. Oh, right? wow. So uh -huh. it's kind of very, very niche down. Yeah. And so, so big players are not going to play there. And then someone is going to be like, hey, I have been owning a shooting range store for many years. And the things that we use to do background check and to manage inventory is very outdated. I want to do something better and sell for other people like me. So those are the people that build. So I don't actually know which industry. Mm -hmm. You just need the, the person that's the real expert that's going to be the unfair advantage that is going to understand what the industry need. I'm sure there's a lot of like, to your point, niches where nothing has been or very weak applications have been built because there's not been the money there for a mark uh, for a just a software company to be like, oh, we're going to do a product just for shooting ranges because there's just not enough dollars in it for them to spend millions on it is that kind of yeah what yeah so the smaller companies are the players in that space and, and then sometimes they're even big players but they are outdated so their software is very old and, and they didn't update it and it's not super user friendly so that's usually where there's a lot of opportunities where they're like hey there's the dental space for example that's another one that i know that all the softwares the dental space the dentists use are very mm -hmm. very old school and and very outdated and there's three big ones, and those are the ones that everyone uses. So if a person come and build the fourth one and build something that's more modern, you really understand your competition. And even though those companies are big, like Enhi Shine is a public company and plays in that space, 
very outdated software. So it would be a good place for people to go and interesting to enter. Yeah, I was gonna say because that you know there's a ton of dentists and there's a lot of money in dentistry, so that makes sense that there's big players in the space. But then they just get out of touch. You think with the actual end users experience? Yeah, and... yeah, they're they're like legacy companies. They're very big and and they built their product twenty years ago and they haven't updated much since then. It's built on a, on a very old foundation and it's they're just milking their cow. They're not mm -hmm. thinking about the next step. So you, it's an opportunity for people to come and okay, I'm going to make something better for, for mm. this space. Mm. That's interesting. Again, is there something you would want, uh, because you're obviously the expert in this field, is there something before we kind of wrap up here that you'd be like, hey, I really think this would be helpful for people considering it. You know, you already talked about, you know, the kind of the cost and what to expect. I think it's very valuable that people think about the ongoing cost. You know, I've looked at doing apps and some other stuff like that. In those cases, there's, you know, a pretty big upfront fee, but there wasn't necessarily that this is going to be the ongoing fee, right? Mm -hmm. This is, this isn't a one and done, especially to your point when you're selling it to other businesses, because they're going to want tweaks and upgrades and updates and all that. Yeah. Another thing like that people can think about it, like look at your competition, how many developers they have on staff. They usually are adding developers every year, not reducing because they're trying to grow. They're trying to stay ahead. Think like Zoom. They keep adding developers. Oh, the product is the same, but they keep adding developers. They keep improving. They keep trying to do things here and there. Yeah, it's a misconception that's going to be done. Even for an app, think about how many updates any app that you use receives, you know? Like, so I use an app to check on, on the weather when I do flight planning. I'm a pilot and, oh. I, and that's always updating. I use an app like Facebook, and it's always updating. So it's never done. Software, it's never done. That's what I, I like to tell people from day one. And we wouldn't be in business if software would be done. <laughs> right, yeah. right, right. And before we wrap up, I guess, what's the most unique, because uh, you've named some businesses I would have never thought of, but what's the most unique business project that you guys took on in the, in the SaaS space that you were just, would never have guessed it, and it ended up being really successful in its application? So there's this one that it's, it's very uh, complex and I never thought about it. So when big contractors work with government, they need to follow a lot of rules and they have a lot of contracts, a lot of clauses that they have to follow. Those are all kind of like standardized. So there was this company, they came and they built this software to help companies manage their contracts. Mm -hmm. So they would come, they would upload the contract from the government. And then it would tell them, okay, you have to do this and this inspection at this point. You have to do this, this, and this. You have to make sure you have this and this certification. It's basically a software to manage contracts and clauses to the government. So mm -hmm. I never thought about, we had to learn a lot about that space. Very complex. And it's a very successful product. It's a public company that actually built that product. Oh, really? Interesting. And did they go public after they built the product or were they public and then built the product? They were public and then they built okay, the product. Okay, got it. But, and ultimately it manages the to-dos the contract so that you don't void your own contract. I mean, void the contract you've <laughs> signed, right? Exactly. Right. That's crazy. Huh. Very interesting. Well, I'm sure there's tons of applications. If people have questions for you about, hey, could you turn this into a, a software? They just go to your, go to your website, uh, philalves.com, or do you, they go to your company yeah, website? Yeah, they can go to my company website, devsquad.com. And then usually what a lot of people do, they will work with us in the initial six weeks to design and, and work with their concept and test it before mm -hmm. they go and spend a bunch of money. So the, the initial phase, people are spending anywhere from fifteen to $20,000. So mm -hmm. it's not a huge investment. 
to right. plan and to and to get the software uh, to the market. You know, kind of like to make sure there's a market for your product, and then mm -hmm. you can start making some projections and and think is that something worth building? Like, okay, if I get a hundred customers paying this much, then I'll break even, or fifty customers, or whatever the number is. And you're able to use that concept and the prototype to test that out. Very cool. Very cool. Well, thank you for coming on today. I like when we spend some time diving into some actual tactical. A lot of times we talk about mindset on the show. We talk about evolution of business and things like this. But I really like this kind of strategic, hey, this is something I could apply in my business, but not only apply in my business, but actually become a revenue source, revenue generation for my mm -hmm. business um, that makes my business better, but then also helps me make my company worth more in the end, right? Mm -hmm. For sure. For yeah. sure. Very cool. Well, thank you for your time today, Phil. Appreciate it. Look forward to maybe seeing you out in the world sometime. If I ever make it to Utah, I'll look you up. That <laughs> sounds great. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Bill. Thank you for being a part of the Bright Vibe podcast. For more information, go to brightvibe.com. That's B-R-I-T-E, vibe, B-I-B-E.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs>